Welcome to The Creative Endeavor, the podcast bringing you inspiring stories from creative professionals from around the world. And in this episode, I'm speaking with Renato Mucillo, who's a Canadian-based landscape artist, and he creates some incredible paintings. Now, I've been following Renato for a number of years. And in fact, when I first started out on my career and just starting out on my professional artistic journey, I had a file on my computer that was stuffed full of landscape images, both old masters and living masters, and Renato's paintings featured heavily in that file, among some of the images that were really inspiring me at the time. And his work continues to inspire me to this day. Now, a lot of his paintings are depicting his local area, the subject that he knows best. And there seems to be a similar theme running right the way through his body of work, both past and present. Now, a lot of people may consider his paintings photographic, but to me, they go well beyond what a photograph could ever achieve. And every one of them seems to draw out something unique. I, for one, have a really almost emotional response when I look at his work, and they seem overwhelmingly calming. They are really, truly beautiful. And so I wanted to talk to Renato and ask him about his approach to his subject, his approach to art, how he got started on his creative journey, but also a little bit about the business side as well. Now, Renato is one of those artists alive today who has a near 100% batting average in terms of art sales. And today, that is virtually unheard of. So, of course, I wanted to ask a little bit about that as well and see if I could glean some insights about how he approaches the art business. Now, there's a little bit of a language warning with this episode of The Creative Endeavor. There's just a few curse words sprinkled throughout our conversation. And if that is something that's going to offend you, then perhaps this is not the episode for you. But I will say that this was a great conversation. We covered a wide range of topics. I got a heck of a lot out of it, and I really hope that you will too. So without further ado, here's Renato Mucillo in The Creative Endeavor. Pleasure to meet you, sir. It's awesome having you on The Creative Endeavor. Um, why don't we kick things off and have you tell us a bit about yourself, about your art, and how you got to this place that you find yourself in now? Goodness. Uh, well, uh, living in uh, on the west coast of Canada and pretty much spent most of my life out in this area, um, and it is pretty much the basis of all of the work I do for the most part. Um, you know, I've been at it as a professional for the better part of 30 years now. Um, you know, uh, leading up to about 2002, of course, I was a working artist, but also working a second job to kind of support family. Um, at the time I had a small child who is now, you know, a grown up. So, um, uh, I was kind of uh, relieved of, of that, uh, obligation, um, when he was of age and, and decided to kind of focus in on, you know, approaching this thing full time and giving up uh, any other any other option as far as work went. So yeah, that's really yeah. cool. So so this is this has been full time for 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 quite a while. How did you find that transition of of going into full time art from 
from what what was your previous job if you don't mind me asking well i i mean i had just handfuls of other jobs growing up and and what have you but um, I'd left the last job I did have. Uh, I was working for the Law Society of British Columbia, of all things, uh, in administration. Right. So I was just basically nine to five in it. It was a great job, paid well, good people, easy. Um, but it, I, you know, I was I was coming up to 40 years old at the time. And, um, you know, I was just kind of looking at it going, well, you know, Working there, actually, it's interesting because working there had had led me to where it put me in a place of making a decision that, okay, I can do this because some good things had happened while I was working there. Mm -hmm. Um, But, I mean, I I just figured, you know, if I didn't do it by 40 years old, I wasn't going to do it, right? And so, I was, you know, I was getting up on it and I thought, okay, well, time to jump in the pool, right? Mm -hmm. Um, And I did. And my, my thought was, okay, well, if I can do it and I can work six months, uh, and make as much money as a painter, as a full-time artist, um, then I'm doing okay. Right. You know, it's, I'm, I'm hitting the mark. I'm paying my bills and doing that sort of thing. Hmm. So that was my gauge. And, um, and I did, which was good. And, um, and I think what was hugely motivating was the fact that I had just bought a house. (laughs) So I managed I managed to get a mortgage uh, because I was working, thank God, because we know how much the banks love to give money to artists. Um, And so I was set that way and uh, I built my studio and it was like, okay, well, now you've got you've got something to to work for and you've got a responsibility. So, you know, that was it. And it was just headlong into it. And I didn't look back. So there's so many things there there's so many different directions we could take this in because i know what that 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 fear from having something that's a financial obligation hanging over your head that that's enormously motivating but when you first leapt out onto the stage you know becoming a full-time artist i imagine that you probably had something already going for you before you just decided okay i'm going to start were you were you literally making money right off the bat with your career How did did that work for you? I mean, take us back to that time. All right. Um, Let's go back to 1975. (laughs) (laughs) I'm not kidding you. Um, I I basically had kind of the taste of what being able to earn from my work felt like at a very, very young age. Uh Uh, My sister, uh, who is 10 years older than I am, um, she worked for an arm supply store just down the street from us. Um, and the family that owned the, the store itself, the Reeds, uh, great people. And it was just one of these local, you know, mom, pa type shops. And they had just a, you know, a full variety of all of the, the artist materials you could possibly want. And I mean, it was heaven for me as a kid. Right. Um, I mean, as I'm sure everybody that you interview will tell you, Hey man, I was a kid and I was drawing before I was talking. Well, it's kind of the same, right? It was just one of those, that was my skill set as a child. And, uh, so one day, um, and my sister had brought home some paints. I guess I was about nine years old, and uh, and oils. And I started at it and just kind of playing around. And um, I'd finally had done something that I actually um, thought was worthy of framing. Right. So I, I hustled my little buns down to the store with my painting in hand, and um, you know, and asked the uh, the owners, you know, let's frame this thing and how much it was going to cost. They had suggested that I. Um, if I was interested in selling it and that they would put it in their front window of their store. And, um, and I thought, sure, that's awesome. I mean, I was a 10 year old kid. This is 1975. And 
We ended up selling it a day later for 35 bucks. You know, I mean, hit the jackpot, right? Wow. And the ongoing, yeah, the ongoing joke was their oldest client bought, you know, bought their painting from their youngest client, right? So, um, and at that point, it just kind of started to, you know, the, I was just, you know, um, I was extremely um, excited about it because I'm thinking, wow, this is, this is awesome, right? Like I can, I can actually make some money doing this. And I just kind of proceeded to paint. And I mean, paint a lot as a kid. I, uh, you know, I did what all kids do and, and, uh, you know, jump on your bike first thing in the morning and just hustle around, play with your friends. But when I got home, it was like, you know, knee deep in, in paint. And, um, and it was just, I, I, I loved it. I enjoyed it. And I was selling paintings, right? I was selling to my relatives, to my friends. Um, you know, my, I was lucky enough that, um, my father, who is an avid outdoorsman, um, he would just drag us everywhere, right? So inspiration was there all the time. You know, it was just there. And, um, you know, and that's that's where it was all kind of fueled from. So, you know, and it, it just, it kind of, um, every every decision I'd made in life that didn't involve my art one way or another ultimately was affected uh, or it affected my art positively. Right. Um, you know, I, I, I didn't graduate from high school, um, had a real issue with, um, kind of, I wouldn't say learning, but just authority, you know, uh, it was just, it was one of those things. I mean, how many of us, right. Um, you know, I just, I just didn't sink. Right. It was just one of those things. And, um, you know, in grade 12 or what should have been grade 12, I, you know, I decided that was it. I had enough. And, uh, I was lucky enough to, to get a job with one of the teachers, um, that, that taught me in high school, her husband was a carpenter, right? So, and he was taking on students that were graduating and I was lucky enough to get on with him and learn some skills. Right. Um, and, uh, but throughout the process, you know, it was always, you know, this is the kid that's helping me, but he's an artist, right? And selling work as I was still painting and working, right? Um, and then from that point, um, ended up getting a job with one of the major banks uh, in, in British Columbia, the Bank of Montreal. And again, um, it was for me a seven-year stint. And, but during that seven years, um, the whole um, wildlife market, was starting to come into play. Robert Bateman, uh, Carl Brenders, right? All of these fine art prints and the art, the print market was just absolutely bonkers, right? And getting huge money for that. And um, I was kind of like, hmm, this is interesting. This is a, this is an, this is something that um, I think might be uh, might you know researching, right? So um, I I kind of started painting wildlife. And it was something that came fairly naturally because I'd spent a lot of time outside and, and on top of um, on top of doing a lot of fishing with my father, my, my dad was also uh, a pheasant hunter. Right. So we always had, you know, we, I always had stuff to kind of draw and paint at home. Mind you, it wasn't alive and it was going to end up on the dinner table, but it was still something to study. Right. So. Um, I started looking a little bit more seriously into painting wildlife and I started doing it and um getting um, a little bit more information about uh, reproduction. Uh, I mean, back in the old days, um, you know, when we had to go and send our work to a photographer to have a professional photograph taken, then color separation and film, 
um, and you ran those over to a press, a pressman basically, right? And, uh, you know, so I decided uh, that that was what I was going to do. And, um, and I had originally had started with a landscape-based painting and, and had cho- uh, chosen basically do 10 reproductions, but not four color lithos. I was doing a Cibachrome, right? So much easier to manage. Uh, you could do one or a hundred, whatever you wanted. And, um, so I did, I did these 10 and I brought them into work at the bank and I ended up selling all of them literally, uh, within that day. Wow. Yeah. Right. And I was like, wow, okay, we need to make this a bit bigger. Right. And, uh, so then I started researching a little further into, uh, doing a, a larger run, but doing a four color separation. And, uh, in the meantime, I, um, had a friend of mine who, um, uh, he had suggested that I go talk to his bank manager because his bank manager apparently had a son who was an art print dealer in Toronto. So, um, I called this woman, she had, uh, she had, uh, arranged a meeting between me and her son. And I was at that time working on my first full-blown wild, uh, wildlife piece, which was a great horned owl. And um, so I, I walked through the door when we finally got this thing to happen. And I had the painting, which was about, I, I guess, about two-thirds of the way done. And at this time, I was 27 years old. And, um, and the first thing he basically said to me was, um, I've got enough artists on my, you know, uh, in my stable, and, but I'll take a look at it and, and we'll see what we can do if I can help you or at least point you in a direction, basically telling me to, you know, piss off and you're wasting my time. And I, I pulled this thing out and he just kind of stopped, right? And, um, and basically said, yeah, I think we can work together, right? <laughs> and uh, so I, you know, proceeded to finish this thing and, um, uh, I, I basically took charge of the production of it. I didn't want to hand that over to somebody because at that time it was still a 50, 50 split, even though I was in, in, entailing all of the costs on these prints. Uh, but I had control of the quality of the paper and the ink and just the finished product. Right. So, you know, I put in my, I think it was like $10,000 to do this at the time. And it was pretty much everything I had saved. Um, and we ended up selling, I ended up producing 500, images from this print and uh, we ended up selling them out i think it was about 45 days this time i was still working for the bank of montreal and it allowed me to you know the part of the contract was i, I could sell the artist proofs right so but there's 50 artist proofs and i sold basically all of those within about two to three weeks to pretty much everybody in the bank or in the in the branch of the bank i was working at and uh and it just kind of started this 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 stone rolling right and um you know by the time that was 91 when we produced the first one by 96 um things had really changed in the market and it was kind of like um the digital era had come in like i mean it was incredible because you know you did you could you could bypass the photographer you could you know literally take it scan it it was ready to go within an hour kind of thing you know but what had happened was it um, it changed the whole environment where, you know, uh, if you were getting one hundred and fifty dollars per print, it suddenly dropped it down because everybody was now reproducing their work. Right. So prices just basically plummeted. The market became flooded. Um, 
And I basically bowed out after about five years of doing it because it was just, I felt like it was, um, it was taking away from, uh, I guess the art form itself. And it just felt like, uh, it was nothing more than just merchandise at that point. Right. You know? Um, and it was just, the market was flooded with imagery everywhere that was being done by everybody. So, um, you know, at that point I, I basically, uh, stopped really, uh, focusing, um, on painting. I, I just kind of, it, it kind of took the sail or the wind out of my sails, you know, so to speak. And, and, uh, I started kind of focusing on other things. And, um, at that time, uh, also had gotten married, had a kid, right. So family was starting to become, um, you know, more important and that sort of thing. So yeah, that's basically how it all started. Right. So, wow. That's, it's yeah, it's, it's so interesting. I, I I'm always fascinated about hearing, um, the stories of how artists end up where they are, because yeah. it, it's there, there's, there's no set path. There's no set no. way or formula for, for getting to where you, where you are. Look, I, I don't want to let the Prince thing go just yet. I mean, I, there's yeah. a lot I want to cover in this conversation with you, but sure. while we're talking about Prince is printing something that you do now, how do you no. think it's changed? Okay. Do yeah, you, it's, uh, would you I'm ever do it again? Yeah. You know what? I, I don't necessarily know if I would at this point. Um, you know, we, I'm lucky enough that, um, I'm about a hundred percent in my sales. Right. Mm -hmm. And so I, I, I like the idea of, of originality and someone buying something that is one of, you know, um, God only knows there has been a handful of the paintings that I've done over the last four or five years that I could probably have just simply retired from painting and done nothing but reproduce those images themselves. Right. And probably make, you know, made a very lucrative career, um, uh, just doing that. But, you know, for me, it's, that's not what it's about really, you know? So. No, I, I'm, I'm, I must admit, I, I'm, I always go back and forth when I'm thinking about my own career and, and my paintings, you know, am I going to yeah. print? Which ones am I going to print? What are yeah. the, uh, what are the, the consequences of doing that? You know, yeah. what's the right balance between the edition number and the unit price of, of each one? And, That's right. You know, and and then again, balancing that out with 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 the original sales, it's it's an interesting one. I get a lot of people asking. I, I'm personally, I'm gonna, I did do prints in the past, but I, I will be getting back into prints at some point. But yeah. very select few, few yeah. works. Because as yeah. you say, I mean, now with the digital age, I mean, we're well and truly into it now. It is. It oh, has yeah, just absolutely. become so easy and so accessible. Yeah. Um, you know, so the for quality, though, the quality is amazing. Like yeah. it, it just okay. it's mind blowing at, at how accurate some of these prints can be reproduced, you know? Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah, it's it's pretty awesome. And I mean, it, it's allowing people to own, you know, part of what you do. I don't think there's anything wrong with it at all. Right. Mm. Um, how it affects you. I don't think it's it is negative in any way. You're providing something to people who who can't necessarily uh, afford an original, right? Mm -hmm. I mean, not everybody has five, ten, fifteen, twenty thousand dollars to throw on a you know a piece of original artwork, right? And they really love your image and they're really willing to support you. So what's wrong with it? You know, you're giving them something that makes them happy. It may not be, um, you know, the financial you know jackpot. It's not. You're providing something that is affecting somebody positively, right? Mm -hmm. So what's wrong with that? 
Well, no, nothing. yeah, what's nothing's wrong right. with that. And I and I think it's no. also it's it's important for artists to to understand they've got options in diversifying their their revenue streams coming yeah, in. Absolutely. Um, because this is one of the things that I find, especially with selling originals, is that the marketplace is, is fickle. I mean, it doesn't matter what we're selling. Yeah. And and there it's tumultuous. There are ups and downs all the time. And yeah. you know, if you if you're relying on one thing coming in it can be problematic, but I want to want to get a little bit of a snapshot of, of how you're doing things now, if you don't mind. And, no, not and, at all. And not we'll, all. I'd love to, to ask you about the business side of things because, you know, y- your work is amazing. Like I'm, I'm typical fanboy here, uh, but I, I, oh, I, thanks, I, 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 watch, <laughs> I, I see what you're doing on Instagram and I'm just like, wow, man, like there's a real, just, a beautiful tranquility and simplicity to what you paint, but also technically it is just so masterfully executed. Um, So I I will, you know, people watching this on YouTube, um, they'll they'll see the links in the description below to your Instagram and website. And I really hope they check it out because it's it's really fantastic. It it actually, it reminds me, a a lot of the work, it kind of reminds me of of Andrew Wyeth, the way he hit that sublime button by showing you something so simple. And so when I look at your work, it it triggers a very similar feeling for me. It's just just take a minute and just look at the simplicity and the beauty and the tranquility and just something, it's so understated, but well done. Yeah, I love it. Thanks. Thanks. Yeah, it's um, I had a had the good fortune of seeing the Wyeth uh, exhibition here or just out in Seattle, uh, about three hours away. And man, talk about. Yeah, I mean, it's just every painting was just like literally stop you in your tracks and just emptied you. Right. It was just like there was nothing. You almost could hear an echo inside yourself, yeah. you know, just wa- looking at these things. Right. And uh, and that's a lot of what I try to do with, um, you know, with the landscapes that I'm painting. Right. They're just for me, they're not necessarily just landscape paintings. They, they're basically resonating something a little bit deeper, um, you know, uh, within within me anyways. And I mean, I'm hoping it affects the viewer the same way. So, you know, there's just something really quite beautiful about very little. You know, and just kind of extracting that that seed from it, you know, and and working with it. So, absolutely, yeah. No, I I love that. Now, um, well, yeah. Let's let's talk all about the work. But before we do, and and I I hate to project here because you you were telling me about your school days. You had a little bit of a problem yeah. with authority there. I, I can imagine <laughs> that you know somebody yeah. like you with your your talent and your skill, um you know, you just, you strike me as somebody that was just, just born. You were made to paint. This is just your role here in this life. So forgive me if I'm projecting. I I was a serial fiery. Every job I had, I managed to get myself fired from because I just had such a bad attitude. And, and same with school. I mean, I was an okay student, but every report card was the same for me. It's like, Andrew's, Andrew's got potential. He just doesn't apply himself. And I didn't apply yeah. myself because I couldn't give a rat's about whatever they were telling yeah. me. So yeah. how does somebody like you with your ability? I mean, you were selling prints. You were, you were doing reasonably well in your career at the time. How does somebody like you then go into working at a bank or the law society? Is this just not eating your soul one bite at a time? How does, this, much, how does yeah. this work? Yeah, you know, it's I, I think you don't you don't realize kind of the. Um, 
the derogatory effect of working for the man has <laughs> until, you know, you're a little bit older. You're, I mean, I grew up in a household, my mom and dad, I mean, they're immigrants, right? I mean, they, they immigrated from Italy and, you know, I was um, born shortly there. there at, well, I shouldn't say I was a few years. I was the accident. Uh, I was a conjugal visit, right? So, uh, but they they basically drill it into your head, right? It's like um, you work, you earn. You know, my dad was a cement mason. He worked, he slaved. And even to this day at 93, he still slaves, right? He, yeah, I mean, and it's just, he has this work ethic, right? That is just, un, like, it's unbelievable. But, you know, you were taught that, I mean, my mom and dad knew nothing about art, like nothing, zero, right? Um, and it was only until a few years ago that they, they actually came to an opening, right? And, and saw the work firsthand. They saw the crowds firsthand. It finally sank into them that, you know, this, uh, this kid, you know, made something of this. And what that was, they had tried to detour out of me because they were afraid that I would basically starve to death, right? So, um, you know, it, uh, but yeah, working was, it wasn't easy because all I could think about was painting, being creative, right? And, uh, you know, but I, I managed to, to, to do it, you know, it was uh, do my nine to five or whatever shift I was doing and then get home and, and you know, paint away and enjoy uh, something that was very um, removed from, that life filled the wells again, right? So, so you're that. That's so interesting because I I I hear from a lot of people as well who who work who find themselves in in full time employment and they desperately want to make that transition to to full time art, and they say, yeah. you know, Andrew, by the time I get home and I'm I'm about to hit the easel, I'm just dog tired. I've I've emptied yeah. the tank at work, it, particularly yeah. people with. Um, with physical jobs and yeah. you know I'm a, bu a good buddy of mine um is a builder he's got his own building company based in queenstown uh, he works really hard but he inspires me because he he, he would wake up at 5 a.m get two hours of painting in, and then go to the site wow. i'm like wow, that's man. crazy yeah so yeah. It, well i mean that's that's drive right i mean that is passion right down to the right down to the bone right you know you got to do it absolutely right? and you know, you got to respect guys that can, because not many can, right? So well, he he's got a lot of energy, this guy. But I mean, the 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 thing is, is that for for a lot of people, for most people, I'd say uh, that get in touch with me anyway, wanting to make that transition, that is a big a big issue, a big stumbling block for them is the time yeah. and the energy. Yeah. Um, I guess, you know, my role here, what I like to do with my channel and the podcast and, and, and these conversations is just show people so many different examples of, hey, you can absolutely do this. This is something that yeah. is, that is um, you know, an, an option that's available to us. But I absolutely. think the other side of that coin is you've, you've got to have something then to, to back it up, some level of skill and ability. I mean, which, which of course you have in, in spades. I'm not just saying that again, I'm a huge fan, but Thanks, man. I, even with that talent and ability, it's, it would have taken your parents, it would have taken some convincing there to even have them. So you, you'd been working as an artist, you had had some success and they, they never even came to a show. It was just, yeah. I find it was that just really... one of those, 
Yeah, it was it was difficult. You know, it was hard for them because wow. I mean, my parents are, are old. Like my dad's 93. My mom's 90. Right. And it's or getting to be 90. But, um, you know, I was like I said, I was the mistake. I came in kind of unexpected. Um, but, you know, with my dad, uh, by the time this all kind of happened, my dad or started to happen for me, my dad was retired and doing physical things like getting into a car and driving an hour uh, to a gallery, which he had no idea you know, what, where, where it was, was difficult for him, right? And I could never hold that over them at any point, right? I mean, they, they, they only did what they knew. And, um, you know, it was, it, was, um, it was really important for me, um, for them to, to see this before it was too late, right? And, you know, one of them had passed away or they didn't have a chance to see, um, you know, this sort of success um, in their lifetime. Right. And uh, while it was at the height of it. And I just I wanted them to to know exactly. I wanted them to be proud is basically what I wanted them to be. And uh, and they, they most certainly were. I mean, they're always they're very proud parents of all their kids. But, you know, um, to have one of their children be uh, successfully earning a living as an artist, you know, one of the most difficult career choices that anybody could possibly make and, and be successful at it. I mean, I just, I wanted them to know that, you know, all of the support that they gave me as a kid, um, I mean, they never turned me away from art. I, I will say that. I mean, they never did. When I needed stuff, you know, my mom always gave me money and sent me on my way down to the art store, right? So, but it wasn't one of these, we're going to get you into college. It just wasn't right. It was like, you're going to get a good job. Be a tradesman. How about a cement mason? Be like your dad. Right. And, uh, you know, so, you know, it's, it's one of those things. I mean, I, I said that to my son, same thing, right? Anthony, get a trade. And he did, right. He's a welder, great trade, right. But he's also super creative. So, you know, if he wants to implement both of those together, which I hope he does at one point, he will. But at least he has something to fall back on. See, I was just way too stubborn, way too stubborn. I, I already knew what my life goal was, right? And that was to be the artist. So, mm. yeah. Well, congratulations. Thanks, man. <laughs> so so you're, um, you're now, you know, you're represented by some pretty, pretty big galleries. Um, yeah. Three that I counted on your website. Um, yeah. you know, that, that I've, of course, you know, have heard of cause they're just reputable establishments. And so are you working now exclusively with galleries or do you deal with your clients one-on-one -on -one at all? Or, you know what? I, uh, I, I mean, occasionally, um, yeah, but for the most part, I'd say 99% of my work ends up in galleries. Um, and I normally do two exhibitions a year and I have for the last nearly 20 years. Um, it's a lot of stress, um, but I work I work best under that kind of stress, you know, under deadlines, right? It's just keeps me going. It keeps me like, okay, I need to focus on what I'm doing here, and um, it's easy to to veer away from it. So yeah, my most of my work goes through galleries. So yeah, that's it's it's interesting because I, I never. Um... I, you know, people will know I've got a bad attitude when it comes oh, to galleries. There's absolutely no, yeah, there's, there's, I understand it. I completely yeah. understand it. You know, it's, it's you, uh, us, I call us old timers, right? I mean, I'm 54 this, this year and um, no. I've been right. Wow. I've been right on that cusp where 20 years ago, man, we did not have the luxury of, 
representing ourselves, mm-hmm. right? Promoting ourselves, social media platforms. I mean, shit, we have got so much at the tips of our fingers today that, yeah, I mean, if I was a young up and coming artist, I, I'd probably think the same way, right? Mm-hmm. But that being said, my, you know, with my one gallery here in Canada, White Rock Gallery, um, I mean, I've been with them for, Jesus, 27 years. Right. Right. From the very beginning. And um, there there it's a powerhouse gallery, not the biggest gallery in the world. But man, I mean, every piece of work I give them, they sell it. Right. And, and that is that is fantastic. You can't you can't say enough about that sort of thing. And same with my other galleries. Um, you know, Howard Manville Gallery down in just outside of Seattle has been the same way since 2009 and or I, 2011, I believe it is. And, uh, you know, they're just, you know, they're, they're galleries that are doing their jobs. Mm-hmm. Right. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, everybody gripes about, oh, you know, percentages and this and that. And, and I get yeah. that. I, yeah. I get it, man. I get it. But you know what? I would gripe too, if I was sending work to a gallery and they weren't doing anything for me. Mm. Right. Um, I mean, you, you have to look at the, the amount of energy that we put in as artists nowadays to, prom- to promoting ourselves. I mean, you know, Instagram page, you're, you're basically managing it every day. And yeah, it can be a bit of a, you know, a time vampire, right? Uh, but it's a great tool. It's a great tool. And I mean, how much of what we do online helps motivate and walk people through gallery doors because of it, right? So, I mean, it's, is it becoming easier for galleries? Yeah, I'd say so. You know, you've got a lot of people on your team now as a gallery owner, right? Um, there's a lot going on out there. It's not just print media like it used to be in the older, the old days, right? So. It's, it's interesting, though, that, um, that you say that about it being easier for galleries. I, I, I would have thought it would have been harder for galleries nowadays with the extra power that it's given to artists as individuals. It kind of cuts out the middleman. But again, I, I, yeah. I appreciate what you're saying. I mean, when yeah. you find a gallery that is doing its job and it's doing it well, yeah. and, and you've got a, like, it sounds like you've got a 100% batting average, which is virtually... Yeah unheard of like i i want to know how do you make that work that is amazing i and I, i'm guessing it comes down to the sheer quality but if if a gallery if it's working for you yeah sure why why change this i guess i guess a little bit of my bad attitude stems from experiences i had in in australia and also finding you know that right fit for me and i only ever found one that really fit a bit like white rock gallery for you i had a gallery in in western australia um they did an amazing job for me for for 12 years before they went into retirement but it, it can sometimes be a little bit difficult to find that fit so i i guess let let from there let let me ask you like if if you were if you were going to give advice to somebody who wanted to, and they're inspired by your story and they're thinking, yep. you know, wow, sales must be nice. I got somebody else taking care of this side of the business for me. All I got to do is paint the pictures. Yeah, sure. I'll give up the percentage. No problem. I mean, hey, yep. it's a legitimate business model. It's working. So Absolutely. how yep. do you, how would you direct somebody else into wanting to maybe get into that and, and, and start, start off with that model? Well, I mean, it's, you know, there, there are a lot of galleries out there. Um, you know, how many of them are reputable? That's another question, right? Um, I mean, I've been really fortunate in the sense that, you know, I've not come across any real serious situations with galleries. 
Um, you know, usually I, I keep my gallery pool fairly close to home, right? Simply because um, if there is any issue, I can literally get in my car and drive to it, right? Um, I just took on the Arcadia Gallery, which was a huge feather in my <laughs> you know, and they're down in LA and it was kind of like, wow, okay, that's a little further than I'm comfortable with, right? But you know what? They're a gallery that's been around for a long time with a huge reputation. So, you know, lucky enough, um, you know, and they've done well for me as well. But for anybody that's starting out and wants to go down the gallery route, it's uh, it's really a matter of just doing your homework. You know, talk to other artists, look at their look at their stable of artists and, um, you know, don't be afraid to to send an email or, you know, just kind of pick their brain about their their personal um their personal relationships with with their galleries, their personal experiences, you know, uh, try to find galleries that fit uh, the genre of work that you're doing. You know, and that's I think that's what uh, some of the problem is, is that, you know, artists feel that they may belong to a gallery they have absolutely no fit with. And the gallery owner simply can't do, um, you know, can't do anything for them because they just don't have the demographic for it. Right. Or the collector base for it. So, um, you know, um, it's anybody starting out, put a good body of work together, the best body of work you think you have, you know, um, do some research, talk to other artists who are in that gallery, you know, and then approach them, you know, and just kind of pick their brain. I mean, like you said, you know, it, it's, we're in a day, we're in an age now where, yeah, it, it is, it is, I would imagine difficult as a gallery owner to not feel like, they're maybe losing out on the potential um, uh, the potential of uh, income because artists are now basically bypassing galleries altogether, right? Um, so I think when they stumble across uh, someone who you know is um, um, I guess mature in how they approach their business, right? As an artist, um, they're they're willing to listen and look, right? Um, and that's, you know, that's, it's important. I mean, you have to remain professional period. Um, being an artist, you know, 20 years ago, I mean, you got, you know, you got tagged as being, you know, flaky and all those other things, right. It ain't, it, it isn't the way anymore. Right. And, um, it, this is as much a business as, uh, as anything else out there. Renato, um, Forgive me. Give me a lesson. I, maybe I could use a little bit of this. Give me, <laughs> give me, give me a lesson in how to be a professional. What's that? What's that? What's that mean to you? Let, let me just take a drink here. Hang on. Sure. <laughs> I mean, if you were working for somebody else, right? Um, how would you? How would they expect you to, you know, conduct your your time spent, right, being paid? Um, you got to show up. I mean, it's, it's, you know, brushes, brushes aren't going to paint paintings themselves, right? You got to put the time in and, um, it, it, it is not an easy road. It isn't by any means. Um, I feel, uh, tremendously lucky to be in the position I'm in. I'm just a schmuck with no education that decided to dig his teeth into something that he believed in. And I was lucky enough to, you know, stumble across the right people at the right time. But I can, you know, sure as hell tell you, man, there's, there's some rough times, right? And, um, you got to, it's basically, you know, treat, treat your studio time like you would your work, right? You know, you get up at six o'clock or whatever time in the morning and get into the studio and do your time, right? Focus and concentrate. 
um, and, and set goals for yourself. And this is one of the reasons why I'm always, you know, uh, agreeing to doing exhibitions with galleries is because um, it just puts me in a headspace of I got to get this done. I have got to show up and I've got to do this because there is responsibilities here. This is my reputation. People are relying on me. And ultimately, you know, you're going to let yourself down if you don't devote yourself to some degree to this seriously. Right. So don't mean to be a buzzkill, but, you know, that's kind of how it is. Right. It's work, man. It's just work. And you got to treat it that way. It's a great job to have. But, you know, it comes at a price sometimes. So you're, you're so right. I, I find that a lot of people and I'm guilty of this when I first started out is I fantasized about what it would be like to be a full-time artist and how easy this was going to be. Because I love painting. I love drawing, right? And people seem to respond to my work when I was first starting out. Yeah. I was very lucky in, in that respect. And I thought, oh, this can be great. I show up when I want. I do what I want. Basically, if I feel like painting, cool. If I don't, cool. Um, that's, a, that's a real lesson in how to go broke really quick. Because, yeah. you know, I found when I first started to take it really seriously, it, it, it started, it took on a life of its own. And now, it, yeah. it now you know, fast forward to 2019, um, you know, I'm sure you're, you're the same, but I'm working, you know, day and night, most yeah. nights and seven days a week, you know, it doesn't stop. And, but, and it's not that I want it to stop. I'm not complaining. Oh, I don't get any breaks. There's nothing else I can really do. I mean, nothing else interests me. So yeah. I, I imagine yeah. you're, you're very similar in that way. Um, I, I am to some degree. Um, and this is one of the other reasons why I also have galleries is because mm. I have many interests. I mean, I love art. Mm. I love I love creating. But it's ultimately not so much painting, but I love creating. And, um, you know, having having galleries allows me some free time to focus my energies on doing other things that I love. Right. Um, and allows, you know, um, them to do their job, you know, cause it's not always easy dealing with people. Like it just isn't right from a, a from a retail, uh, point of view, right? It's just not, I mean, it's, you're, there's a lot of handholding. There's a lot of, you know, um, you know, flipping back and forth and it's just like, you know what? It is so much easier just to paint. <laughs> let somebody else deal with the sales end of it. Just, just let them do their job. Right. And, um, and it, it just allows me to, you know, get up in the morning. I mean, it's, you know, I'm out every day with the dog and, uh, you know, if I don't get at least eight kilometers in every day, you know, it's the day ain't right, you know, and it's, that's, that's how my, you know, my day starts. And, um, but on top of that, you know, I spend a lot of time out, um, fishing, I used to love fishing. I don't fish nearly as much as I used to. Um, uh, and, uh, I'm a huge car collector, right? I've got a, I, I love cars, man. It's just, I, I have as great a love for vintage vehicles as I do for art, right? And I like to be able to spend a little bit of time doing that as well, right? That's, that's where I get my kicks, right? So it's like, okay, show's done, time to work in the garage for a month, right? And, uh, and do that and be creative that way. That's that's really cool, man. That's really cool because uh, maybe I could take a leaf from your book and find something else to <laughs> occupy my time. <laughs> I, I get well, I mean, a little, well, I get a little crazy over here. <laughs> I, I got to tell you, man. I mean, I when I stumbled across your 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 videos and and uh, I have to say, I was just like, man, you exhausted me. I was like, 
how does this guy do it? Like, seriously, right? You're, I mean, you're painting some great, great work. I mean, your paintings are beautiful. Oh, thank you. Uh, but your your videos, I mean, Jesus, your videos are just like breathtaking. Like, <laughs> e- even if you're not into painting, just wa- like just yeah. watching some of these areas that you're you're going into, yeah. and just how much work you put into videoing them, yeah. right? Yeah. Uh, you know, you, you got the drones out there. I mean, you're you're just it is it is absolutely entertaining from every conceivable you know, angle, yeah. right? It's like, wow, this guy's, he, he's got his shit together. When he's, you know, <laughs> he's, he's a language. But seriously, like, yeah. man, you got it going on. You, you know, I, I can't even tell you how many people I've turned on to your videos. It's like, I get, I get inundated, you know, oh, with, wow. Hey, wow. how do you do this? Do you teach? Do you, you know, and I'm like, no, no, no. Look at Andrew's work. Go to, go to Andrew's <laughs> site. Cause I'm telling you, man, there's some great videos. You're going to learn some stuff here. Right. And, wow. um, but yeah, no, I'm serious. I mean, it's it's. I, I can understand when you say you're tired and working seven days a week because that ain't easy, and I get it. Right? I'm, I'm, I'm getting better at it. it. Yeah. Uh, look, oh. I, I, I so I, I I'm so I appreciate that so much. Thank you very much. Hey, uh, because hey, it, the 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 it, it it tells me that the illusion is paying off. It's working because yeah, it's <laughs> I, all so confused, <laughs> man. You know, that's it. Confused, you know, I I am. You know, it, it is the, filmmaking and, and that sort of thing. It's something that I'm getting better at. I, I still feel so new at the whole process, but it, that's that. Yeah, I guess maybe it's a bit like you with your cars. I mean, I love video and I love making movies and, and I am the more I do it, the, the, the better I, I get at it. But yeah. the thing that I'm addicted to with the video aspect and putting the videos out there to, to the world is, is it really is as much as I don't like to admit this with my paintings. But it, it really is that feedback loop that that starts in having other people respond to it. And I've been very lucky. You know, I had had a lot of people reach out to me that said, "Hey, you're you're helping me. Thank you so much for what you're doing." And and I get addicted to that. You know, I, I get really yeah. addicted to that. But I, I suppose it's a bit like. Um, you know, when you produce a painting as well, and you put it, you you spend so long on, on something, and the painting you can see that it has the right emotional trigger for somebody. And you, you I, I don't know if you, you must've had this experience, but I, I remember it when I, when I would have a solo show, I'd be maybe standing in the corner watching people watch, look at my work. <laughs> and particularly yeah. when I just started out and yeah. people didn't know who I was and just seeing how they were responding, just going, yeah, that guy right there or, or that yeah. gal right there. Yeah, they, they get it, they get it. And then yeah. I go up and talk well, to them and yeah. It, it, well, I mean, it basically makes every, you know, every hour, every painstaking hour, every hour of doubt, every hour of, you know, um, self-loathing, you know, while painting, worth it, really. You know, I mean, it's it's not a, you know, people have this idea of, you know, they sit at a they sit at an easel and a canvas and it's just, you know, puppies and butterflies the whole time through. And it's just, <laughs> oh, this is fantastic. It's not. I mean, Jesus. I walk out of a, you know, a studio day and I'm literally exhausted from beating yeah. myself up over it. Right. And, wow, wow. but, but, it, oh yeah, no, still to this day. I mean, I, I often question what the hell, what, what right do I have sitting in front of this easel? Because I feel like I know nothing. Right. And even to this day, even to this day, you know, it, it just doesn't, uh, it just doesn't, it doesn't change. And then about halfway into it, um, you're like, okay, I think I got a handle on this thing. Right. And, you know, by the end of it, you know, after all of that, um, all of that internal just nonsense that we put ourselves through while painting, 
um, it's, it's, it's almost like childbirth for women, right? They're like, God, it was the most horrible thing ever, but I would do it again in a second. Right. Yeah. And you know, you're just like, wow, okay. I, I, I learned something. And this is, this was ideally what this, this whole exercise was about was producing something you were happy with, but walk away learning something because you went and, you know, and agonized through things when a lot of people would just go, I've had enough. It's not working. Get it off the easel right mm. onto something new so and then when you see somebody sitting in a gallery standing and just mesmerized by the by what you have created i mean that just solidifies everything right it's just the best feeling in the world so you it's, know it is it is unreal um and i imagine your work does that for for a lot of, i mean it does it for me i i have not had the the fortune of seeing an original in the flesh so I'm looking yeah. at a little screen, either my, my computer screen or my phone, but still it, it's, it's, it's deeply moving stuff. Let's, let's talk about painting. Let's, let's focus sure. in on, on the work. Maybe, um, could you tell me a little bit more about the subject matter? Because for me, when I look at your paintings, there's a very similar theme explored in, in virtually all the scenes that I'm seeing. And it looks like you're searching for something. You're trying to hit a particular note. And, and everyone is different. It's a unique expression. But there seems to be this theme and this thread running throughout the body of work over the years. So what is it that, that, that really drives you and moves you to create in the first place? Um, well, you know, living where I live, I'm really lucky. I'm, I'm about 45 minutes out of Vancouver and, um, and where I live, I mean, it's, it's just, a, it's a growing community and I'm about five minutes. Um, oh, I should say five minutes North for me is uh, the agricultural land reserve, right? Which is basically all, um, farms, basically it's, it's, um, it's, um, basically a, a floodplain, which has been controlled um, by basic uh, dikes and dike systems. The Dutch came in at the turn of the century and basically diked the whole the whole valley here. Um, so our landscape is very much like the Dutch landscape. And then it basically butts up to huge mountains, right? And um, what I guess the thread that kind of runs through the work itself is I, I look at everything I do, like I, I'm out every day and I've always got my camera with me and I, I'm constantly shooting and um, it, it's kind of like a, a, for me, a, just a visual diary of what I experience when I'm walking. But I, I just, I look for the most um, kind of obscure little mundane things in the landscape itself that I just find quite appealing. Um, and I, I think the reasoning for why I'm doing what I'm doing now is very different than what it was 10 years ago. Um, I just I felt the work 10 years ago was a lot darker, a lot moodier, um, just looking for uh, an expression, uh, a visual expression to convey emotion. Right. Um, as opposed to now where I look at things and I'm like, I want to conserve or preserve this moment. Uh, because I know that this is going to be gone very, very shortly uh, because of the way things are developing here in our neighborhood. Um, a lot of the, the uh, large plots of land that are being pulled and rezoned out of the ALR are being now turned into residential areas or commercial areas or uh, industrial areas. So, you know, I'll, I'll, you know, take the dog out and uh, just kind of wander down these paths. And, you know, there's lots of these little waterways and ditches and, and just... 
um, those are the things that kind of intrigue me the most, you know, and um, I just I look at them and they're just kind of this little tiny ecosystem that exists on itself. And unfortunately, they're, you know, they're soiled by garbage and, and just our own, you know, our own kind of um, disrespect for them. You know, people driving down the street and chucking their garbage out the window and, and you know, just kind of inundating this area like that. And, um, you know, and I'll take it and, and just try to turn it into something just so uh, pure and beautiful. And, um, and, I, and I think a lot of the time why I, I focus on the way I paint is this kind of uh, slowing down of, of time and uh, noise, you know, that, that continuous chatter that you have in your head, right, that creates all the stress in your life. And it's kind of my way of basically shutting or hitting the mute button and just drawing people into it to say, just stop and take a breath and look at this. Oh, yeah, by the way, that's a drainage ditch. <laughs> so next time you walk by a drainage ditch, take a look at it and look at it through uh, somebody else's eyes and try to try to see something quite beautiful in it, because it really there is something to be had in it. Right. So it's kind of my approach. It's it's simple. Kind of. Right? That's that's beautiful. I, again, um, sorry to keep saying this, but I, I, no. I, you know, from the emails and the correspondence that I find myself in, I get a lot of people asking, um, where do I find epic subjects or something, you know, majestic to paint? And here you are creating something majestic, transcending, a spiritual almost out of a drainage ditch. I really hope yeah. people hear that. And, and when they look at your <laughs> yeah. work and, and they're, they're looking at these these dikes and these culverts and, and, and drainage, you know, ways that yeah, they, they see that. see what it is and and, yeah. and then and then reflect on that and go, wow. Yeah. You know, you the beauty is everywhere. You just have to have the eyes to see it, right? Yeah. Yeah. And that's exactly it. You know, it's it's just a matter of interpretation, right? We all um, you know, I, I, um, it, it is a visual dialect, right? And, and I think this is why, uh, landscape is so popular too, right? It's because it is a dialect that speaks to everybody, right? I don't care how sophisticated your taste is in art or, or how much you've been convinced to believe that, you know, what, what we do, me and you as artists painting landscape is not art, true art in the form, right? In, in arts sense. Um, but yet, you know, people seem to be able to relate to it instantaneously without effort. And it, it's usually, um, it's, you know, it's just people are drawn to it because they, they find it soothing to some degree, right? It just, it separates them from their busy, crazy world that we exist in today, you know, and today is crazy. I mean, it is just a, it's a much different place than it was 20 years ago, right? I feel like an old man saying it, but it's really the truth, right? I mean, we are so distracted by everything going on. And, you know, there's just so much to appreciate. Um, if you just take a minute and take a look, right? Just, just focus on something other than yourself or your phone or, you know, your stress and whatever's causing it. Just, you know, take a look down and, and, uh, Appreciate what you see because, man, it's pretty awesome. You know, everything is epic. It's just a matter of how you spin it, right? So, quote. That's the quote right there. I always. <laughs> I might even title this podcast. Yeah. Everything is yeah. epic. It's just a matter of yeah. how you spin it. I love that, man. I love yeah. that. Yeah. Well, that's the truth, though, right? You know, it's uh, you know we we sit there and we 
we kind of wallow in our own miseries, man. And we, I mean, we, we live in a great time in a great world. And, and, uh, you know, if you can just get past all of the stuff that's jammed down our throats, right. Um, yeah, there, there's a lot to be seen and there's a lot to be painted. Right. So when you say stuff that's jammed down our throats, are you, are you referring to things like, like the news or, or like all yeah. the things going on, like politics, environment, war, famine, just, yeah. just everything. I mean, everything is just, um, there, there just seems to be so much, um, just garbage, you know, I mean, it's, we are, we are so aware of everything going on now just because it is fed to us whether we like it or not right you know you're spending time on facebook or spending time on on instagram i mean it's just like you're just inundated and everybody's you know everybody's is feeding into it because they just they get off on it right um it's all of this kind of shock factor and i mean i i've literally um i have condemned cable vision and radio from my home I refuse to have either of them. It's bad enough having, you know, um, social media sometimes just because. But, um, you know, I, I choose to listen to the music I want to. I choose to read the stuff I want to. I don't want it sitting there being, you know, subconsciously spewed into my head and tarnishing, you know, tarnishing life um, as I know it. Um, and I, I think it's really, really difficult to break away from that sort of stuff. You know, it really is in this day and age. It's hard. Hey, please excuse the short interruption here. I just want to take a quick minute and tell you about this podcast sponsors. First up, Rosemary & Co. These guys make the best brushes on the market, hands down. They are by far my favorite brushes to use, and I'm using them for everything from landscape painting to portraits to painting on plain air. Now, right now on the Rosemary & Co. website, you can find sets that we've put together for landscape painting, portrait painting, or painting outdoors, as well as my signature Tish Dagger brush. Now, if you haven't heard of the Tish Dagger, yeah, it's cool, and yeah, I'm biased because it's kind of named after me, but this is a brush that I took a lot of time designing in conjunction with Rosemary & Co., which has got some really incredible properties. Now, it can make a broad stroke, a fine tapered line, or a point, and it even covers a heck of a lot of ground quickly. Now, you would have seen me use this brush a whole bunch on my YouTube channel, but again, it is just my favorite brush to use. I'm addicted to it because it just can do so much. Now, if you want to check out these brushes and check out the sets that we've put together and check out the Tish Dagger, I hope you do, please visit rosemaryandco.com. Enter my name, Tischler, into the search bar on that website, and it's going to bring those sets up. Now, your purchase of any one of these sets, a small portion of that goes towards supporting me and the podcast and my YouTube channel and keeps the content flowing, and I thank you very much for checking it out. Now, while we're on the subject of top quality oil painting products, you got to check out Blue Ridge Oil Paint. Now, recently, I've made the switch to Blue Ridge after I discovered that it was simply the best paint I had ever tried. Eric Silver, the man behind Blue Ridge Oil Paints, based in North Carolina, pours his heart and soul into what he does, and he's a true craftsman. He gives this his all, and it really shows through in each and every one of those tubes. I've been so impressed with the quality of these paints that I now use it exclusively for my commissioned work and for my YouTube tutorials. I'm just in love with the stuff. 
Now, right now on the Blue Ridge website, you can find a landscape set, a portrait set, as well as an en plein air painting set. And these are available by going to blueridgeoilpaint.com. Click on that little tab that says sets. It's going to bring those up. And again, your purchase goes towards supporting this podcast and my YouTube channel. And again, keeps the free content flowing. And thank you so much for checking that out. And thank you for allowing this interruption. Let's jump right back into our conversation with Renato Michilo. It can affect, it certainly can affect your psychology when it comes time to be at your creative best and create, create your best yeah. work. And, you know, from there, you know, I, I, I again, I, I just love firing these questions at other artists because this is, and it's such a great opportunity to talk with other artists. I mean, that's been the beautiful benefit of doing this podcast is getting into reach Absolutely. out and connect with people. But I, I I get asked this a lot and I'll pass the question off to you. And, you know, people are concerned, uh, you know, with with finding the right space or the right mood to be able to paint. And a big thing for me was, OK, well, you got to create an environment that's conducive to creativity. And like you, I haven't watched the news in years, man. Like I, I just yeah. I, I, I've banned it. We don't even have a TV in the house that's plugged into like the normal television yeah. service here in New Zealand. Um, you know, we'll watch what we choose to watch when we choose to watch it, you know, which is very, very little. But yeah. I think protecting my psychology, my state of mind, so I show up and I'm at my creative best. Do you feel, you know, A, is that, obviously I can hear that's something that's important to you. I'd love if you could expand on that a little bit. But B, do you then, do you have to cultivate the psychology or, or a particular state of mind to be able to do what you do? Or is it something that you just find you, you just click into naturally? It's pretty much something I, I kind of base my life on, right? It's just, um, I mean, we, <laughs> it's interesting as an artist, right? We live these two very um, kind of individual and unique lives away from one another in our own heads. Um, you know, we, we gain so much pleasure, uh, in being creative and so much satisfaction in, in being creative. You know, it is, it is what we base our self worth on, you know, um, and it's not even, so, I mean, when you're young, it's success as an artist is what you base your, your career, on, which is just false. It shouldn't be that way. It's, it's creating the very best work you can create. Let that be the motivator. Right. Don't don't let commercialism poison you um, or poison your creative, um, you know, your creative path. Right. Um, but, you know, it's as far as environments go, I mean, it's, uh, you know, my, my environment, again, can be um, w within my own head. And I'm sure a lot of artists will will probably agree with this can be just crazy like this this craziness these just you know your, your mind just never stops and um exactly you know and it's it's not even so much you know this this negative chatter it's just it's it's like um creative add it's just everything you see it's just you know you're, you're compiling all of this stuff constantly right um and it's a matter of being able to sort through that stuff and and create this i guess an energy to apply it uh, to what you do. Right. And, and I think a, a lot of people really kind of stumble with that because they have so much 
And if it isn't worth, they, they feel if it's not worth doing, they're not going to do it. You know, I, I mean, I, when I was younger, it'd just be like, oh, no, this has been done. No, I don't want to do this because that's been done or he's been doing this. And, and you know, you, you find reasons not to do it. Right. And, you know, cr- creating this this environment inside of yourself and even your workspace. Right. Is is just a matter of letting go and just allowing it to happen. But, you know, be positive be positive about it all, right? Because it's, it's, it's just, it's a good thing, right? You know, we live in a, we live in a great time, man. It's just, I, I can't even imagine, um, you know, I, I'm sure you will probably agree to this, but I mean, you look at some of, some of the talent out there right now and, and the ages that these people are, you know? I've seen paintings done by people who are barely old enough to tie their own shoes, that are literally just mind-blowingly good, mm. you know. And uh, you know, it's it's it's, you know, it's it's a it's a wonderful thing. And I mean, how how can we we not look at that as a positive, right? You know, within our own processes. There's um, you know, I, I'm again being online. I'm very fortunate. I got a, quite a few people reaching out to me. There's a couple of young guys out there. One in Colorado, another one in the UK that are creating work and they're both 15 years old. I'm like, wow. And I just know yeah. that when they grow up, they're going to be monsters. They're, they're yeah. just going to be, you know, incredible. It's hard yeah. now. It's hard now to have a big ego, big head about this. Cause when you, when you're getting your work or when you're sharing your work online, but then you're also seeing what, what others are producing. I find that really humbling, but really inspiring oh, yeah. as well. Cause I yeah. think now we are, you know, as as a as a species, we're we're producing some pretty cool stuff, um, oh, yeah. you know. And yeah. it's both, you know, as we're saying, it's 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 the it's the best of times, and it's it's a time for for optimism and enthusiasm. Um, but it's also, you know, the worst of times in many respects as well. And I think keeping that balance and keeping your head is is key. I, I certainly find that because it, it can be overwhelming. So, um, yeah. finding no, some I, way that we can continue to show up, but you know, I, I love what you said there. Um, and I just, I just want to touch on that again, because, and, and, and just echo what you said, because I love that so much about the authenticity about producing something without being poisoned. You, you, you called it commercial poison. I, I forget yeah. exactly how, how you worded yeah. that, but I, I love that so much that, that having some sort of external validation or doing it for the wrong reasons from something else that, that is not driven from within, that, that that can be quite dangerous. And I think this is oh, why yeah. it's, it's so important to have control over our mind and our environment by by limiting that that negative influence from outside coming in to have this you know cultivate that that environment that we can show up and be our best selves so we can get that thing that's within us out now i i I love that man i absolutely there's there's nothing wrong you know i i look at younger painters and um you know you see trends um happening all over the place right and you know, someone posts something and, it, and you know, it um, it triggers something in another artist. Right. And they're, they're wanting to follow down that path and they're basing what they're doing by the success of other people's work. And they, they feel if um, they can recreate that particular style or genre of work or subject matter, whatever. Right. It, they will follow with within the path of that success. And, and I look at it and I think that is 
the worst thing that you could possibly do for yourself as an artist, right? Because you are cheating yourself of something that is honest, right? You're, you know, just find your own path. There's nothing wrong with learning from it. Nothing wrong at all. And we, you know, we live, we live in, again, that day and age where if you want to learn or you want to know something, Google search it, right? And lo and behold, you've got more information in, you know, minutes than most people 30 years ago would have in a lifetime, right? So, um, but it's, it's a matter of being, you know, being honest with yourself ultimately when you're being creative, because in the end it, it will, it'll come back to haunt you and it will impact you negatively, you know, cause you will lose yourself to the voice of somebody else. Right. So, you know, it's, it's, I mean, I, I, I just, I, I love landscape painting. I love it. Like, I mean, it's, it's just part of who I am you know, but, and I've, I've kind of delved off and, and have done other things for myself just to basically learn something, you know, new and, and just experiment and just kind of fulfill that need to want to, to do it. But, um, my heart always seems to fall back right to where it is now. You know, it, it seems like that sort of thing comes to me honestly, because it is a part of what and who I am and what I believe in. So when, when you first started out, um, I don't think we covered this yet. Um, yeah. How did you how did you learn the techniques that you're you're painting with now? Did you did you study in an atelier or did you go to any kind of course class or school? Yeah. Or is this just learn learning through hard graft? Just basically banging my head against the wall. <laughs> um, you know, it's it's interesting because um, back when I started painting back in the early seventies. Um, there used to be an artist who lived down the street from me and, um, this gentleman had a little shop down on one of the main roads there. And I remember wandering down one day and, and seeing this dude painting in his studio gallery. Right. And I just like literally just froze and I was like, Oh my God. And I sat there, you know, at the window, like literally all you could see was my eyes. Right. And I watched this guy paint and literally within probably two or three visits to his shop, or until the time he stopped painting every time I showed up, I managed to kind of gather enough information about process, right? Um, you know, just where to start, where to finish, you know, how to mix. And, um, and at that point just went home and, and, you know, I was just one of these kids that had to learn and experiment and just figure stuff out. It was kind of like, I, I look at it and I still look at it this way. And, um, if someone were to ever ask me, you know, your process, you know, what was it like in your head? It's like, well, it's like a Rubik's cube. It really is. It is just this continuous shifting and changing to, to try and find this answer, right. To get everything to line up. And, um, and that's how it was then, you know, I, I just saw it and it just spurred me to, to, to kind of paint. And the more I painted, the more I learned. Right. And it's like anything. It's, it's like, you, know, you can own a bike, but if you ain't going to get on it, right. You're never going to ride the damn thing. Um, and it's, it's really that way. And it's always been that way my whole entire life. I've just, I've never taken instruction very well, you know? And, uh, I remember getting you know, funny story. I remember getting into, um, an argument with one of my art teachers in high school 
And she was a, a young teacher. She had just started a few years earlier and she's great, great, you know, great painter and everything else. But me being the guy I was and being uh, kind of anti-authoritative, um, I, I went at her, right? And, and started basically questioning what she was doing. And, um, you know, and I look back on it now and I think, man, I was such a dick. Funny thing was, is that she ended up being one of my art dealers because she ended up uh, leaving leaving the teaching profession and opening up a gallery, her and her husband. And she contacted me a few years later uh, and said, hey, this is so-and-so, and hey, how would you like to hang some work in our gallery? And I'm like, absolutely. And by the way, I apologize for being a dick, right? So, but, uh, yeah, it, uh, that's, that's kind of how it is, so... <laughs> Sorry. That's no. good. That's good. Yeah. yeah. The, the, those things. Um, yeah. I have a few moments like that from my past as well. Yeah, I, don't I, we all? Right? <laughs> I, I think it's, it's this thing. Um, I, I heard about this effect recently and I think I was, I've suffered with this massively, maybe still do um, called the Dunning Kruger effect, which is basically um that people with with a very low uh, amount of confidence in any given skill vastly overestimate their ability and i think that that was that was me i gained a little bit of knowledge um early on and so my confidence went right through the roof and yeah. then uh, what what ended up happening is the more knowledge i would gain uh over the the years the more that confidence would start to go down again yeah and it's starting to come back up a little bit but it's because i'm learning a lot but i've never gotten yeah. back to the confidence peak of when i was you know just stepping out of art yeah. school i'm like yeah i knew yeah. i got this thing whipped <laughs> yeah Com confidently ignorant you know it's uh yeah confidence and experience are are yeah or uh, you know a, a a trip travels on two different boats, man. It's like, you know, you, you could have, uh, feel like you have, you know, the, the world by the, by the cojones. Right. But, you know, 20 years later, you look at it and you think, man, I knew nothing, mm. like nothing at all. Mm. That that's what I love about being an artist. Now, um, the older I get is I I'm, I'm excited about that, that there's so much more that I could know and learn. And there's always another rung on the ladder. And, and the reality is I know nothing. You know, I, I just I feel like I, I'm still a student. And when I say yep. I know nothing, sure, I've got some knowledge and I got some stuff that I can pass on to other people to help them along. But in, in, in terms of where I feel like I could go and when I look at the old masters, man, I just wish some of these guys were still alive, you know? And that's why yeah. I think it's, we're, and I'm not just saying this, why I think it's just so fortunate that we have people like you and other artists like Thomas Fluharty and, and other artists that I've, I've interviewed is, is that we get to learn about process and, and learn other ways of doing it from, you know, modern masters, if you will. I hope you don't mind me calling you that. But I think, you <laughs> I've know, been called worse, man. <laughs> <laughs> well, well, I thanks. think when I, when uh, I look at your paintings, I mean, I, it, it's so interesting to hear that you're still very much in 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 development you know yourself yeah, from, from your own point of view like that there's yeah. so much more that you could be learning so what's what's kind of exciting you right now about about your work and the process and what are some of the things that you're playing with and where do you think you could possibly go from here you know i it's just it seems like every time i sit um you know sit down at the easel it's just there's there's a problem that I'd yet or a problem that I'd always avoided. And as time goes on, it seems like that problem gets a little closer. And 
um, and I'm able to actually solve it, right? The Rubik's Cube kind of lined up, right? I managed to answer this thing. Um, I, I don't necessarily know where, where um, my path will lead me. And, and I've never looked at the future um, through um, kind of the eyes of a blind man, right? I just, I, I don't, I mean, I could drop dead tomorrow, literally, right? I, I don't know. And um, where I want my work to go, I just want it to get better. You know, I just, I mean, that's, that's such a vague thing to say, but it's, it's the truth. I just want to improve um, how I paint the subject matter. Um, who knows? I mean, my subject matter may change dramatically if I choose to move from where I'm currently living. Right. And um, I mean, I, I would like to, to kind of delve in a little deeper into um, into the darker recesses of my mind, you know, um, and start painting um, things that maybe are not landscape based eventually. You know, it's it's like I, I see guys like um, God, what's his name? Uh, Francois Bard, I guess his name is Francois Bard. Um, there's just a handful of them that are, that are painting these these images that are just so strong. You know, it's it, they're hard to describe. You know, uh, Phil Hale is another one. You know, if you, if you look at Phil Hale's work, I mean, it is literally will freeze you in your footsteps. I mean, it's just it is like your worst nightmare on canvas, but they're so beautifully executed. And it's just like, wow, that is something else, you know, and it's it's always been something that um, I was always a big fan of sci fi art when I was a kid growing up, you know, Frank Frazetta, Borchaleo, right? Like all of those guys, they were they were all like they were just the gods of art in my eyes when I was a kid. Right. And um, and I, I just I, I look at it and I think, yeah, that would be kind of not so much sci fi art, but just just something a bit more edgy. But I think that's going to be on my own kind of timetable eventually <laughs> when I've got some time. Stuff that I will hang on my walls, right? So, but, you know, I, I think ultimately, you know, just improving where I'm, where I'm at now um, is, is key for me. Just learning a little bit more, you know. Uh, that's um no that's a great answer i i i'm not familiar with phil hale you know i i i never do this on the podcast but i'm do uh, it do I'm, it man i i'm so intrigued uh, that i i yeah. just i want to look this up and um right now while while i'm while i'm talking to you phil hale um phil hale studio i guess that would be it Let's do this. Oh, I know this guy. Just, He's got I mean, such a style, man. Oh, man. It's just crushing. Like, it really is. I look at that and I just like, holy mackerel. I'd hate to spend an afternoon in his head. Like, I really would. But you have to appreciate, you know, the the uh, the work. I mean, it's yeah. it's just incredible. It's, it is it is really dark, but it's just amazing. It's beautiful. Oh, it's, it's be beautifully executed. executed. Yeah. 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 You know, Bard is another one as well, right? You know, it's uh, Francois Bard. I mean, I'm sure you've seen his work, and and it's just again, okay. there's just something so incredible about it. So, if we can for for a little while, I'd love to just dive into the process. Could you take me through how you create one of your images, and and maybe run me through your methodology a, a little bit here about you know sure. what ground are you working on? Okay, we've heard about the subject. I love it, but but. How do you build a painting? Uh, 
<clears throat> well, as far as, I mean, right from beginning to end, I mean, um, oil prime linens what is, I, is what I like to work on ultimately. Um, I'll work on gesso covered panels and that sort of thing. But for me, um, uh, oil, oil grounds, uh, be it the Gamblin oil ground or lead based uh, primers, um, they, they to me work best with how I approach painting just because there's a lot of movement on it, right? Um, and then it suddenly just bites and, you know, your paintings literally will, your underpaintings will literally freeze up. I'm sure you've experienced that with lead white grounds, right? You'll move that stuff around and wash it and then all of a sudden, like 10 minutes later, it's, it's, it's on and there's no more moving it. And it's just that quality of that, that ground that uh, I find um, works best with how I paint, you know? Um, a lot of my, uh, underpainting or prepainting, um, just basically setting up is, um, you know, it's a combination of solvent and basically, uh, medium. I like to use liquid, uh, for the most part. Um, I will use some gambling products as well, but I just, I find that the liquid stays open a little, a little longer, um, and not nearly as sticky, when it dries, I, I find that some alkyd-based uh, products have a tendency to be a bit gummy even when they are dry, you know. Um, but yeah, I mean, I'll start in with just basically a wash of basic colors, um, keeping it really, really loose. Um, I, I'm all about mark making with with my paintings, and anybody who sees them in person, I think, are, are really quite surprised because what you see um, on you know a small screen of a phone, or if you're looking you know across the uh, the screen of a computer, you'd think that uh, they would be very different than what you actually do see uh, what you do see when you see them in person, right? Um, I like to allow a certain amount of um, of the underpainting to kind of show through, um, somewhat open. Um, you know, that, that works best for, um, translating texture, depth. Um, it, it allows paint to do what it does best. Right. Um, I think some of the best, some of the best effects, uh, in painting are when you take, you know, basically, um, a, a pure pigment and wash it down on a, on a canvas, bright white canvas, and then basically start wiping it back and you get these beautiful burnt edges, right? These kind of flare ups, I call them, where, you know, you're, you're getting all of these uh, variations of that one particular pure color through translucency, you know, and that's how I base a lot of my work. And that's why I think the work uh, shows so well under the right gallery light is because it's all very, very uh, translucent, very, very uh, thin, and kind of suspended on top of one another, right? with basically opaques on top of that. And it just allows the light to basically, you know, blast through all of these layers of, of pigment and then come back out off that white surface again, which gives this really incredible quality of luminosity, you know? So, you know, and that's, that's pretty much how, you know, how these things start. And, you know, with, um, I, I find that, you know, I, I just, I cannot go into a painting with a fine drawing. I just can't. It's just, I feel like it is literally like having a rope around my neck. It's, it's too restricting. It's too, it seems too easy for me. Right. Um, I had almost feel like I was coloring, not painting to a sense, you know, um, I like, I like the, um, the happy mistakes that, that come along 
or, or, or particular uh, things that you weren't expecting to have happen, right, by simply laying down washes and then basically wiping out something and suddenly having all this incredible information with one swipe, right? And it's like, wow, okay, well, that would have taken me like weeks to create if I would have gone in there, you know, and just kind of painstakingly applied paint on top of paint on top of paint, right? Um, and there's just a freedom and looseness to it, which I love paintings that look like paintings, not paintings that look like photographs, right? If that's what I wanted to achieve, I'd be a photographer, right? And that's just kind of how I approach it. So, so, so at the at the gallery at the at the exhibition opening, when you have people coming yeah. up to you and say, "Hey, Renato, your your, your work just looks just like a photograph," does that just drive you mental? It totally does. Yeah, <laughs> it totally does. I'm like, I'm, I'm great that it's achieved that effect, but yeah. take a really close look at the surface of yeah. the painting and tell me what you see there. Right. It's a matter of what our minds want us to imagine it to be. Right. Um, you know, it's 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 really this kind of um, this chaos of colors and, and just marks that basically solidify as soon as you back away from the canvas and our mind just kind of puts it into um, into something that we understand. Right. Or what we believe we see. And it's not necessarily um, always the case, you know. So, I mean, I, I always get a kick out of like Japanese watercolor ink painters. Right. You know, just the fluidity of their brushwork. And and I try to kind of implement that sort of freedom in in small details where I'll never hold a brush really close to the bottom of the ferrule. I always try to hold it way back right on top of the handle just to allow the brush to do what it wants to do as soon as it makes contact with the surface of the board right so that's awesome you know i love to hear about you know how much spontaneity is is actually in your in your process as well because forgive me when i was looking at the work i i saw yeah. you know they're just masterfully executed beautiful work but i i felt like that, that there was such a level of control through the whole process. And I, and I guess that's, that's the trick, isn't it? Is yeah. pulling something off that, that, you know, shows that meanwhile, you're, there's a certain amount of the process where you're letting go and you're letting the paint take over. Absolutely. Yeah. You're at the mercy for me. I look at it and I feel like I'm at the mercy of what the paint wants to do, you know? And, um, you know, there was, there was something and, I, I always I always say this to people who are, are asking about technique and, and why it is I paint that way. And it's I mean, it literally goes back to like grade school when, you know, your teacher laid down a piece of white wax paper in front of you and dumped paint in it and said, OK, use your hands. Right. And you look at those those, you know, I, I look at early finger paintings of children and and just how you suddenly get this this illusion of depth just by you know, running your fingers through it, right? And what's happening on the surface by flagging the paint with your fingers, right? And it's it's kind of the same sort of effect, except I'm 54 and I use brushes and not my hands, right? Um, and it's, I just, I look at it and I think it's, it's, it's just, it, it's, that always kind of resonated with me, right? It's like, what can I do by simply pushing, you know, a, a hog hair brush backwards through a thin layer of paint? 
And it's like, wow, that is just awesome, right? Like that is just, that's like a thousand details right there, you know? And it's a matter of looking at it and not destroying it. Or, you know, this natural inkling of, oh, no, no, I gotta, you know, I'm gonna have to paint over that, right? Or, or and it's basically harnessing these little tiny bits and pieces and using them to kind of, it's kind of like, you know, chopping down a tree or, or, or carving something, right? You first chop down the tree with an ax and you cut away, you know, the meat. And then you start working with smaller tools and smaller tools. And that's basically, you know, how any painting is basically brought together and, 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 and built basically or made. Um, and it's, it's the same thing, right? The process is no different. So I, I never thought I would hear that you were inspired by finger painting, but there you go. Oh man. You know, it's, <laughs> I, I just, I, I, well, I say that loosely, uh, but no, it's, 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 it's interesting, you know, yeah, it's, it's the same sort of effect. And I mean, there's, there's something very beautiful about, um, about removing paint. There's something as beautiful about removing paint as there is about applying paint. Right. The effects are entirely different. Right. And what it does is it allows paint to remain translucent. Uh, but yet you're staining the panel as opposed to applying thick opaques. Right. Which basically cover that up. Mm. Right. So, you know, depending on if you're working under cool light conditions, or warm light conditions, um, you know, it can have a, a real, uh, a real um, amazing three dimensional type of effect in the end. Right. With all these nice warm shadows and cool opaques over top of that. You know, it just it, it allows things to kind of um, glow underneath. So I have a feeling I'm going to be getting a lot of emails about this, this whole this whole thing and process. But, get ready. Uh, get ready. Yeah. I'll, yeah. I'll give people your email address at the end of this. Uh, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> no, here's this number. Yeah. This that's that's fantastic. So so who would you say from the past or, or some of the old masters or artists that you look at and and who really inspires you? Who's on your your Mount Rushmore, so to speak? God. Um, oh, there's there's a lot. Um, I mean, God, the Russians, the Russians, you know, Ivan Shishkin, right? It's Levitin, right? You look at these guys and it's, you know, especially Shishkin, right? If you look at his interiors, his forest interiors, and they're just like mind blowing. They're mind blowing, right? It's like, wow. Okay. You know, and you look at when they're painted, you know, I can understand that those, this sort of imagery to be created nowadays because there's so many devices to help you along with it, right? But we're talking, you know, 150 years ago or 100 years ago anyways. And, you know, these guys had nothing in creating some of the finest pieces of work in history, right? As far as landscape painting goes. Um, I was at um, another, another artist who just, I mean, literally – Stop me in my tracks. Um, I was in New York a few years ago and um, ended up going to the Met and seeing uh, John Twachman's, one of John Twachman's paintings there. And I, for the life of me, can't remember the title of the painting. Um, but everybody, I'm sure, knows it. And I'm sure you know it as well. And it was painted in, in France. Um, and it, it was just... And it was just one of those paintings where um, you're looking it up now, aren't you? <laughs> I'll look it up while we're talking. We can do this. We have the mains. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Here we go. John. Uh, John Twachman. T-W-A. Yeah. T-W. There you go. Okay. Um, And you'll have to describe the scene to me. It's pulled up quite a few. 
Oh, has it? Okay. Let me just hang on a sec. We'll see if I can find the, the title of it. Sorry, this I should have been a little bit more prepared here. Um, but uh, it was done in France. Um, and I know I'll probably pronounce the title of the painting incorrectly because I am not French. Oh, God. Arcure la Batille. But, I mean, I remember seeing that in person. I'd never seen it in person. And um, I remember just walking through the American wing um, and and coming face-to-face -face with that thing. And it is a huge painting. Like, it is enormous. Wow. Yeah, it is enormous. I, I believe it's probably four by six feet. Wow. Yeah, which I didn't expect it to be, right? But I, I remember seeing this painting years and years ago in, uh, in an art book and just being just taken by it and thinking, wow, I love the simplicity of design and I love that atmospheric um, mm. kind of quality to it. And living where I live, uh, you know, in the, in the northwest here, I mean, it's very much like that here at this time of year. And, uh, and I think that's why it resonated so much with me, but to see it in person, it was just, I mean, I would love to sit down with this guy and just pick his brain about his process right. because if you see it in person, it is, I am telling you, it's that's a beautiful painting. I, I would not have thought something so simple would, would have been so large, but this is the thing that I love, yeah. you know? Yeah, um, it is. It is a gorgeous painting in person. It is just something else. You wow. know, it's. Yeah, it is something else. But I mean, other painters as well. Um, uh, I mean, the group of seven. Um, I mean, they were they were monumental in um, basically changing art history in Canada. Right. Um, again, completely breaking away from the establishment um, and going into the whole um, the whole movement of um, I guess modernism or impressionism and uh but there i remember again seeing um an exhibition here in vancouver of their work that came through probably about 15 years ago maybe a little longer than that and it literally changed um it was one thing that changed um my painting style immensely uh, because i was doing wildlife at the time i was doing a super high realist um kind of uh, wildlife painting and I was just getting to the point where I was just becoming just so tired of doing it. It was just so painstaking. And then seeing this group of seven exhibition and just being knocked back on my ass because it was just, I mean, it was painting and it was thick, heavy impressionist, um, you know, very stylized. And I literally just departed from um, doing the high realism and going into impressionism you know, and implementing it. And I wasn't painting uh, full-time or professionally at that point. I was working, but painting more for me at that time. And it was just so, uh, it was so much fun because, you know, it wasn't pulling out the double zeros, right? And, you know, um, sitting there cross-hatching everything. It was just swiping, you know, uh, a number 20 bristle brush, you know, just across the canvas with just gobs of paint. And, and, um, and and enjoying it, but there was so much to be learned in doing it, right? And um, but that that would be that would be another uh, another sit down with um, you know a group of guys that I'd, I'd love to be able to do if I had the chance, you know. But um, Gerhard Richter, there you go, you know, he is the he is the poster child of I can do anything I want. 
I can I can be a landscape painter. I can be you know an abstract you know an abstract painter. I can be a sculptor. I can do whatever, uh, and I'm going to do it. You know, it's it's amazing. It's very hard putting somebody like Gerhard Richter into a box. Oh, it um, is. Yeah, yeah. Um, you know, I can tell you're a Shishkin guy. I can see Twatchman coming through. Uh, you know, it, it, very much so. And so these influences are kind of filtering through, but you're finding your own way to respond to, to the, the subject matter that moves you most. And this is a thing that, again, you know, just kind of touching on the authenticity side of things again, you, you've got this, this thing that you're responding to, but it's more, it's not so much copying what somebody else has done, but going, okay, guys, what was your methodology? What were you going through? What were you responding to? Well, I'm going to plug it into what's important to me. And yeah. that's, that's really, really cool. Something we were talking about earlier in this conversation, you know, about people finding something that is authentic to them and finding a way of doing it authentically. You know, when, when I'm on Instagram and I, I use Instagram a bunch, not only to put my work out there, but to connect with others, but also just to kind of keep my ear to the ground and find out what other people are going. When you hit that little yeah. magnifying glass, that little search icon, when I hit it, you know, because I'm following a lot of art stuff, I get a lot of, you know, drawings, realism, painting, and all sorts of things. Every second or third image, maybe I'm exaggerating a little, a lot, a lot is is now of of Joaquin Phoenix as the Joker and somebody yeah. else has drawn him yeah. uh, you know before that it was it was Deadpool or or some character from a movie or a video game and it's like everybody wants to give their take on this thing and it's just kind of drowning out in the background now that there there's nothing there that seems I'm going to use the word again, authentic. It just doesn't unique. seem genuine yeah. or unique. Yeah. Yeah. Just unique. Yeah. And, and I, I just think we need that so much now is to find that thing that moves you. And I, I don't think you have to go looking very far to find it. You just have no. to be open-minded and open-hearted, right? Yeah. Well, you know, and the thing is, is, is the more you, the more you paint, the more time that you devote to your craft, your practice as an artist, um, the more opportunities will come right and i'm not saying outside opportunities but i'm saying opportunities within yourself because you will learn something even if it's like just simply making a mistake or um or a particular brush stroke and you're just like wow okay well that looks like i could you know or, or this little you know tidbit of information i can actually apply to do say the texture of rocks or you know why does that look like a hundred reflections in water right as opposed to doing this right it, it's just that sort of thing happens when you apply yourself and it's just so easy to fall into what's easiest and what is easiest is to follow somebody else right yeah. i mean ultimately uh, our nature is to want to follow because it makes us feel safe it makes us feel like if we go down that path it is the right path right which ultimately turns into nothing but a collective saturation of the same thing, right? Without any individuality. Um, so, you know, it's, I, I think, and this is, this is where I think um, social media can be a terrible thing, right? Um, because we now gauge so much of who we are or where we rank in this kind of um, structure, you know, life structure, um, 
that on on what and how people respond to us through social media. And it's like, don't let that stuff fool you, man. It's it's just it's nothing but algorithms. That's all it is. Mm-hmm. Right. And um, you know what? You may not feel like you are the very best. But the only thing that really matters is that you're trying your best, right? And if you keep trying your best, the best will come. It's just how it is. And don't don't be discouraged by all of this stuff, right? Just don't. And there's just so many people who um, who feel if they are, you know, if they're copying somebody else's work or subject matter, right? Um, it's the it's the safest way to do it because the acknowledgments will come because it is now the popular theme. So. That's that's right. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. You know, I'm sure you hear that day in and day out, right? <laughs> but it's yeah. it's kind of the truth, you know. And I, you know, it's it's unfortunate a lot of young artists don't don't really see it, you know, as that. They 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 base way too much of their own successes on it, and it's just not the way to do it. So, hmm. well, I, I hope people hear that well and truly. I'm sure they will. You know, Renato, we were talking a little bit earlier about you know kind of finding your groove with this thing and, and making it work from a lifestyle point of view, you know, talking about the psychology and then preparing your mind for, 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 you know, creativity and, and being your creative best. But, you know, look, personally speaking, I, 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 I think I suffer with this. Is it, I I'm, I'm probably totally out of balance. I probably work too much. How do you, how do you find balance? What, what's, and, and is that something that's important to you? Well, you know what? It's, I, I, always like I'm always beating myself up because you know I put these dead I have deadlines right um and you know and they're self-imposed deadlines because I feel like if I don't do it I am not going to paint right I'm just going to I'm going to choose something that's much more enjoyable um but you know I, I know what I'm capable of in the time frames right I know how long paintings will take me to do and all of those you know those allowances and um you know for me it's it's just a matter of uh, being able to step away from it and trust yourself, right? Like you've got to put the time in to understand how long it takes you to do anything when it comes to painting, right? Um, you can't be committing and then waiting, you know, two months before a show and doing things. Um, especially if you've not walked down that path before, but I mean, I've walked down this path many times. So I understand what, you know, I understand time management when it comes to the studio. And, um, and I just, I find that, um, you have to be able to let go of the stress and self-doubt and just be able to kind of actually enjoy the free time, right? Just take time out for yourself, you know, get another hobby outside of being creative, even if you're okay, you're being creative, but, you know, apply it somewhere else, you know, just to, to, to free yourself of the stress of it. Um, it'll pay dividends. It really will. Um, you know, uh, I, I, I literally start my day every day with a walk because it is uh, it's away from the studio. Um, the dog enjoys it, but it also completely fuels um, fuels me as far as subject matter. I mean, there isn't a day that I don't come back in from doing something that's not directly art related that is art related because of it. Right. So, you know, you, you just basically um you know, you, you exploit the things, uh, you exploit art things within, you know, uh, downtime and, uh, you, you know, your mind never stops working. You, you know, you basically, um, it, it all works beneficially to, 
the uh, the the end product, which ultimately is, you know, your painting, the quality of painting, the subject matter of painting, and and you've got to just you know for me anyways, uh, stop being so hard on yourself when you're not continually um, stressing about having to paint, you know. Oh man, see, I, I got to stop doing that. You know, Rachel's telling me all the time. You know, you can sit down and watch a movie without feeling like a loser. Because <laughs> yeah. I well, will, exactly I'll ask that. her. Yeah. I'll ask her. I say, yeah. "Is this okay? Can I do?" She's like, "What are you asking me for? Sit yeah. down." You know, yeah. Like, yeah, relax a bit, man. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, it's like important things. You know, yeah. uh, get out physical exercise. Right. It yeah. doesn't matter what it is. Just do something. Right. Outside That's big of the for studio. Me. Yeah. 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 And and sleep sleep man like i i get into these these cycles of getting four or five hours a night right like prior to shows where i will work till one or two in the morning i will be up at 6 30 right um and and it just i know what it does to me um psychologically and Mm -hmm. physically right i mean I, you know, I feel like, um, when I don't get enough sleep, I, I always, I've suffered with chronic back issues from, um, younger days. And, you know, I spent, you know, countless, countless years in the gym, right. Pushing myself way past what was healthy as far as, you know, physical fitness goes. Mm -hmm. And all that shit is coming back to me now and haunting me. And when I don't sleep, man, it, it like, it all just kind of creeps in and, and, you know, physically you feel crappy and mentally you just, you feel like you're dull and, you know, just all of these nasty, nasty side effects of not resting, you know, and not eating. So it's good advice. It's important. It is, you know, it's, it's, uh, you know, two, two key basics, right? Just take care of yourself and, and, you know, the rest of it will just kind of happen naturally and it'll happen happily as well. Right. So <laughs> This is, um, this is this is why I really love things that do with you know success and achievement and a lot of the ones that I really resonate with people like Dr. John D. Martini who is episode yeah. three of the podcast. Yeah. You know yeah. he talks about the various areas of life. You know the seven areas of life, and and empowering each one of those areas. And I think as an artist, it's important to take that lesson and realize that that we need to empower each one of those areas or at least do the, uh, the best we can to do that. Because I, from what I've looked at, you know, in the past, whether it's a, as an artist or a, uh, you know, an actor or a musician, we, you know, you, we always hear of those people that were insanely talented, had such a gift to offer to the world and they trashed it because maybe they had a, a physical problem that they neglected, you know, maybe they ate too much. Maybe, maybe it was a a drug dependency or an addiction. You know, there was something that was driving them in a different way. So they were creating this stuff and pouring all this love out into the world. Meanwhile, there was this thing that was chasing them and eventually caught up to them. And so this is something that goes through my mind quite a lot of thinking, yeah, I got to find that balance with myself, you know, my, my, my mental health, my physical health, my relationships, my finances, yeah. you know, my career, everything's got to be on track and, and balanced to some yeah. point. The one thing though, that I, I'm, I must admit, I, I, I still, you know, to be completely honest with you, I still struggle with is finding that balance and just learning to unplug and just step away from work for a little bit. Cause I am, yeah. I am dialed in. I'm obsessed with it. I'm driven. I, I compulsively. Yeah. So, and yeah, that, that does have its side effects for sure. Yeah. You know, yeah. I'm not going to pretend you know, it doesn't. Oh no. I mean, there's nothing wrong. There's nothing wrong with being focused and driven. Right. Yeah. I mean, it's, 
it's just a matter of of finding um, the balance in between, right? And taking a little bit of time because if you don't, I mean, burnout happens, right? And it's, yeah. I mean, I've I've done, you know, I've done so many exhibitions, so many exhibitions, and um, and I'm lucky in the sense because I know that each and every one of my exhibitions, I do not have to worry financially afterwards, right? I know that that work will will find placement. It will be you know moved in collections. I will get a check at the end of it. So it's all worth it. I couldn't imagine being you know being an artist who was working for years uh, at a time and just struggling financially. I mean that sort of shit just wears you down, right? Yeah. Um, let alone just being an artist. Period. I mean we are literally socially speaking um, the bottom of the rung when it comes to um, things we need or things people need, you know, you think, okay, well, if you were to ask somebody what they really, really want to do with their $10,000, do you think it's going to be a painting? (laughs) No, it's going to be a car (laughs) right? Or a couch, whatever. So, you know, you find yourself, you know, I couldn't imagine being, being in that situation where it's like, shit. Yeah, no, I just finished doing 20 paintings and I only sold two. Yeah. Yeah. Fuck. I die. I die, man. That stress alone would kill me. That's, you know, like yeah, you're oh. you're you're right. You're absolutely right. You know, and no, it's, it's yeah. you know, no prepper out there is stashing paintings. Yeah, no, but you know, it's <laughs> it, yeah, yeah, exactly. I mean, now, yeah. from what I understand, now you are opening a gallery. Yes, I did am. I hear that correctly? Yeah, 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 you did. Yeah. Awesome. Man. Now, where is that happening? So uh, I'm based in the South Island of New Zealand in a small yeah. town called Lawrence, which is okay. between uh, Queenstown and Dunedin, which are a little bit better known than Lawrence. And so we get a we get a really healthy through traffic of, of tourists every year, anywhere nice. between one and a half to two million cars on that highway wow. every year. Um, so there's there's potential there to make sales. But it's interesting. I find myself now at this point in my career, I've, I've let the gallery model go. Uh, for the time being, I've said I'm not going to entertain the idea of being in somebody else's gallery. I'll do my own. But yeah. I'm not hemmed in in the sense that I have to make sales through that gallery. Now, I don't want to be arrogant. I'm not saying that I'll turn them down. I hope to make a sale. But yeah. now it's at the point where I'm very lucky because I've got clients that I work with internationally. And I get you know, a handful of clients every year that I do commissioned work for. And that's direct. And yeah. um, that really keeps me going. And then, to, to be honest, the, the online side of things with, with teaching people how to paint and, and, and sharing with them my technique, that also is another way that I've been able to diversify my income. Nice, um, nice. But I, I'm genuine about that. You know, to be honest, my teaching is something that has really completely overtaken my life. I'm addicted to it. I, I just, I, I love that, that, that sharing with people around the world of, about how I do what I do. I get to talk yeah. about painting. I get to show people what I do. And, and that's yeah. been just a fantastic kind of feedback thing for yeah. me. Um, yeah. yeah, you're, you're lucky that you're, you're able to do it. You know, that's some people have a flair for it, you know, and you do, man, God, your videos, I'm not shitting you. Like your videos are fucking awesome. Like they are, man. They just, they're so awesome. Right. I just, I remember coming across Stop. and I was like, Holy, dude, how many guys does he have working cameras here? Right. Yeah. And then I got a little bit more background on you. I was like, shit, he's doing this by himself. You know, like, funny story, funny story. So I'm, um, 
I'm painting in a valley, Mount Talbot uh, Glacial Valley, on the way towards Milford Sound with my buddies Freeman White and Samuel. Uh, I don't, oh man, and Freeman's a funny guy. He's, he's a funny guy. He's a great guy. He's great. He is great. I love him to bits. Both of them, they're, 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 they're just awesome dudes. And I'm really lucky to be mates with them. And uh, we're sitting there in the valley. And, and so <laughs> it's weird because they're both just painting away. So within the two hours that we have, I not only have to finish my painting, I've flown yeah. the drone, I've mic'd myself <laughs> up, I've talked to the camera, I mic'd Freeman up, I filmed Freeman, I then mic'd Sam up, I filmed oh, Sam, man. I've then filmed my painting from two different angles while I'm doing it, and maybe a couple of palette shots, and they're watching me, they're just like, dude, I'm exhausted just looking at you, and I'm just like <laughs> going from here to here to here. Yeah, I, I yeah. get that. And it's, it's like, but you're dialed in, right? You know, you know exactly what has to happen, right? Yeah. And, and it's yeah. just, it's awesome to see someone kind of doing it. Just, yeah. I mean, I've just seen, I mean, you know, I remember uh, uh, seeing Jeremy Lipking paint, right? And oh, seeing great. him, you know, I mean, he's a great painter. I mean, he changed, he ultimately changed him and Steve Diamond over at Arcadia, right? I mean, they, I, I think they, the two of them single-handedly um, brought, um, realist traditionalism back into light and into vogue, you know, into modern painting. I mean, this wasn't long ago. This is 10, 12 years ago, right? Yeah. I remember seeing um, Jeremy's paintings and I remember seeing Richard Schmidt's paintings, yes. right? And uh, Richard Schmidt's paintings, um, you know, that that is another guy who I would love to be able to, well, he's still alive, but, you know, to be able to talk to, right? Because I remember coming across one of his um uh, one of his articles in um, American Art Collector. And this is when I was just getting back into kind of this Dutch traditional type s stylization and um, and seeing Richard's work and just flipping through the magazine. Mm -hmm. And it was just like, oh, my God. And it was loose, but it was rendered, mm -hmm. you know, and just such attention to color uh, temperatures. That was the one thing That's that awesome. I felt like seriously lacked, right? Was an yeah. understanding of true color temperatures yeah. and how to push them either way to achieve something visually just so beautiful and, and literally alive, right? Yeah. And, um, but yeah, Richard's, Richard's work really kind of, it moves me, but then seeing Jeremy's work as well. And it was just like, wow, okay, this is this is incredible stuff. Like, this is stuff that you didn't, you haven't seen for 150 years, right? And here, there's this, you know, and he was young at the time when it was all happening, and Steve just basically jumped on him and, and helped promote the hell out of him, and um, you know, and and I think that was the very kind of kind of rebirth of it, in my opinion. Right. I could be wrong, but that's just me. No, I, uh, I, I, I totally agree with you. I do remember that point. It was a turning point around when I first became aware of it. It was around 2008, 2009. Um, yeah. when, and I was following a lot of what was happening in America, you know, from from Australia, where I was living at the time. And um, you could see that shift really starting to happen. And then, you know, with the power of social media, then starting yeah. to gain this gravity and momentum, it just propelled it forward. You know, yeah. I think we do have to be grateful for artists like Lip King. You know, he's, he's a phenomenal painter. Yeah. But, but you do, sometimes you, you need these figures to come along to just get that ball rolling. But yeah. now with, with realism, I don't, I, again, I mean, I say this so much and, and pro probably people are sick of hearing about it, but 
I don't think there's ever been a better time to be an artist, but there's also never been a better time to be a realist painter because yeah. with the power of the internet and being able to reach out there and, and, and interface with not only other artists, but our clients as well directly or even galleries directly, you know, there, there is this ability that we have to, um, to, to find, find our, our stride and, and to, to have our voice heard. And yeah. I think it's now getting art out of the clutches of academia. And so people then have got more of an ability to take part. And I think by and large, what people really want to see, what average people, and I'm saying average with all due respect, it's not a derogatory thing, but with people nope. who aren't indoctrinated into the art establishment, they want to see something that they can they can understand, but they can feel. And realism yep. is a perfect delivery mechanism to to deliver a message and a convey emotion. And I, and I feel that that's so important now. Well, it is. I mean, it's like I was saying, it's a dialect that we all understand. It is a language that is neutral, right? And it, 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 it literally um, takes no ability of thinking, which I, I feel like I'm saying that and dumbing it down, but it, it's not. I mean, it's, it's an immediate visceral kind of, kind of an effect, right? That people, you know, respond to. And it's, yeah. It's it's uh, and, I, and I think it's the establishment. It's again, you know, the academics that basically shit all over what we do, you know, um, and, you know, try to veer people who are just naive enough to to listen to it away from it. Yeah. Um, you mentioned something a bit earlier on. Um let, let's let's go in this direction now, if, if you don't sure. mind. Um, Not at all. You know, we, we were talking about. Uh, you know, your work and rungs on the ladder and stuff. But you, you mentioned that word. As soon as I hear that word, it kind of, my ears prick a little bit. Cause I'm like, yeah. Ooh, somebody mentioned the goal word. I'm like, yeah, cause I, goal. I'm yeah. really, um, I'm really into, I, I'm obsessed. You know, if I'm honest, I'm obsessed with achievement and the science of achievement. It's like, what, what is that difference between people? What makes artists successful and other artists less so? What is that little thing? And I, 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 you know, I, I feel like I stumbled upon this for myself and I'm, I didn't discover it. I'm not saying that, but I, for myself, I stumbled upon it. I'm like, as soon as I started doing it, it I found, oh my gosh, it, it actually works. Is yeah. is having an intention for your career, your creative journey and setting a goal as an artist to direct this creativity, a direction that you really want to travel in as a creative professional. How important are goals to you do you set them? Do you write them down? Can you give me an example of some if you have? Um, you know, I, I don't really set, I guess I'm at that point of my life where um, I've, I've done, my goals primarily um, are, are my exhibitions. And that's, that's about as far forward as I look. Um, you know, I, I just, I don't, I mean, ultimately, my goal, what would be what would be a, a great achievement for me or a goal fulfilled would to, to be to have some of my work hanging in a public space, public gallery, you know, do a show at the end of my life in a in a major public gallery. Um, and that to me would be success. Right. Um, just to be able to show it on a much larger scale. Um, but for me, goals. Primarily, I, I set them by um, agreeing to a calendar uh, in my exhibition schedule. Um, I just 
you know, I look at completing a show and I look at the next one going, I want this show to be better than the last one. I want the work to be um, just that much better, the subject matter, that much more intriguing, you know, and just kind of improve myself as a painter. Um, you know, and, and, and that's pretty much, I, I don't try to write anything down because um, I, I feel like I've kind of gone through all of that sort of stuff uh, getting here. You know, it was just if you would have asked me 20 years ago, I would have said, yeah, my goal is to get into some really great commercial galleries to be able to say I quit. I'm going to be you know, I'm going to become a professional artist, whether I'll become successful at it or not. I don't know. That's completely up to me. Right. But success is based purely on what you are willing to put into this thing. Right. And, you know, um, like I said, you know, these paintings, paintings don't happen by themselves. You have to put the time in. They come with sacrifice. That's just how it is. You know, those are my goals. It's like I, I just want to achieve great bodies of work time and time again. This is what I want. This is what I expect of myself. And and that's that's all I want. You know, it's it's to be able to say, yeah, I survived doing this. That's awesome. really, you know, yeah. you know, the, the bar, the, the bar may be set low, but you know what? I, I'm quite happy just feeling like, you know what? I'm able to live the life um, I've dreamt about as a kid. And that's, you know, and, and to this point, I've kind of achieved. I feel like I've achieved it. So, you know, and I, I, I really hope I mean, ultimately, you hope to be an example uh, to younger artists as well. Like this, this is really this is doable, right? Um, you know, becoming a professional artist or craftsperson or musician or whatever. I mean, it's, it's all there. It's, it's in this day and age is completely a viable thing to, you know, that can be achieved. It's just a matter of disciplining yourself. So can you tell other people out there, people that are listening, um, where they can find you online, maybe what you got coming up, if you got an exhibition that you're working on right now and where will that be? I, yeah, it's um, well, there's uh, a couple of uh, small works exhibi exhibitions happening in the next uh, six weeks now. And uh, the first one will be down at uh, Howard Manville. There'll be three new pieces going in there. Uh, White Rock Gallery, uh, December 1st. Again, a uh, small body of small work. Uh, but there is a major exhibition solo uh, planned for June of 2020 at the Arcadia Gallery. So um, brilliant super stoked about that totally totally uh it's kind of the pinnacle you know um i i'm uh, puts a smile on my face thinking about it because i just i never thought i'd actually be showing uh showing in that gallery in my lifetime so um i'm excited about doing it and, uh, and just seeing what happens so but yeah you can uh you can see my work um on my website at renanomachello.com um my instagram account uh, renanomachello fine arts i believe it is um and uh facebook just under renato michello so Fantastic. i'm easy to find well renato this has been a real treat again thank you so much for being on the creative endeavor yeah the pleasure was mine i really hope that you've enjoyed this episode of the creative endeavor podcast and a huge thank you to renato Muchillo for joining me now as you heard you can find renato's work online by visiting www renatomuchilo.com and that is spelt r-e-n-a-t-o-m-u-c-c-i-l-l-o and on instagram 
Renato Mucillo Fine Arts. That's Renato Mucillo, all one word, underscore fine, underscore arts. Make sure you check out his fantastic paintings. Now, I also just want to give a huge thank you to you for listening. I really appreciate you. And I also appreciate your messages, your kind words, and your feedback. I've been reading a lot of comments that have been coming my way, and I'm just really encouraged. And it's spurring me on to continue to bring these podcasts to you and to continue to share these inspiring stories. I, for one, get a heck of a lot out of it, but it's so gratifying and just so overwhelmingly validating to hear that it has an impact for others as well. So yeah, I'm in. I'm absolutely going to keep going. You can count on that. And I have many, many more episodes on the way. Now, if you haven't already, if you could take the time to just leave me a quick rating or a review on whatever podcast audio platform you're listening on, that would be amazing. Every comment, every review goes a long way and helps this show be a little bit more discoverable. And I thank you very much for taking the effort. Now, of course, you can find out more about me on my website at www.andrewtischler.com. While you're there, make sure you're subscribed. You're going to be first to know when I upload these podcasts. You're also going to get to my YouTube videos 24 hours before they go live. And also, I'm just in touch with my subscribers regularly. Like when I release a tutorial, for instance, my subs always get a nice discount at the checkout. Thank you so much for checking that out. It's absolutely free to do so. Just click on that subscribe tab on my website, enter your name and email, and I'll see you there. Well, this has been an absolute blast. I've really enjoyed your company. Thank you so much for hanging out. And I can't wait to be with you again in another episode of The Creative Endeavor.